True faith in Jesus Christ always sees beyond the testing to the grace and the reward that is for us in our faith. When I read this passage, I, I really struggle because I feel that mom's tension and frustration there. And I'll tell you, the, the, the biting nature of what Jesus says to her, I struggle with. I hope you do too. I, uh, I realize that if Jesus were alive today and said what he said to that woman, he'd be convicted of a hate crime because it, it's, it's beyond understanding. But the power of it tells us about faith. That when we have faith in Him and trust in Him, we will go beyond any obstacle to reach what will make the difference. The insurmountable tasks of life are meaningless when we fix our eyes on Him. That's what faith always does. Steve Farrar in his book, Finishing Strong, starts out telling the story of three preachers. And these three young preachers all start out at about the same time in ministry. Billy Graham, Charles Templeton, and Bron Clifford. And amazingly, not too many years down the road, two fall to the wayside and they're gone. Billy Graham continues until the end of his days. It surprises people when they read that because of the three, the most powerful preacher was Charles Templeton. But in the midst of, of his greatness, something about the pride within him took over. And Satan entered his heart and led him away. Sadly, he died an alcoholic and an atheist and an unbeliever. Unbeliever. And it's sad that he ended that way. But the reality is in life we have to be cautious because whatever plateau you're walking upon, whatever joy you're experiencing, there's always on the other side of that discouragement, depression, and the potential for disaster. Our faith is not what makes us strong. It's the object of our faith that we're fixed upon. And this day we want to think for a few minutes about the reality of the power of perseverance through faith. It's not what we build up within ourselves, not at all. It's the object of our faith that we trust in. There was a man by the name of John Bazzano. He was called into ministry, and he did several things right. Number one, he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord at a very young age, but he stayed focused on his studies. He also married well, and his father-in-law one day sat down with him and wanted to have a discussion after a meal, and he said this to him. He said, John, there are many pitfalls in life, and you're going to figure out very soon what they are. Keep your heart close to Jesus, because it's easy to get discouraged and distracted. The reality is many good men, better than you, entered the ministry and failed. Look around you, pray for your friends, and stay close to Jesus. John Bazzano, who, if any of you know, has been a pastor for many, many years in Texas, as a young man made a list of his best friends in seminary, 26 of them. 
And of those 26, he followed them, and he watched after them, and he prayed for them, and he stayed in touch with them. And amazingly, by the time he entered age 50 in ministry, nine out of ten of his friends had left the ministry completely. John Bassanio was shocked by this, but the reality he figured out was that when you're doing something for Jesus, you're on the firing line. Your faith has to stay strong and focused. You can get discouraged. We all go through cataclysmic disasters in life. You've experienced them in your life, or you're going through them right now. I've gone through that in my own life. And it's made me realize, number one, how weak I am, but also how strong Jesus can be. The theologian Elton Trueblood put it this way, and it's one of my favorite little quotes. He said, the faith that fizzles before the finish had a fatal flaw from the first. And what he's simply saying there is this, be careful what you begin with. Make sure your faith is not in yourself, not in others, not in the church, but in Jesus Christ and and He alone. Because when our faith is in Him, we can never fall to the wayside. Some people want to believe and a mentor, and I've been blessed with some wonderful mentors in ministry, but the reality is we're all human. We all have feet of clay. We can fall apart. And we tend to forgive ourselves and move on, yet others are watching, and we're their example. We're the hands and feet of Jesus, and people want to see success. Goals are great for life. They press us ahead. But realize this, sometimes in life, when we're getting to the goal line, we slow down. I love playing baseball. I wish I still could. In my mind, I can. In my body, I can't do what I once was able to do. I can't run like I did. I can't hit like I did. I I played first base. I didn't care if they put the Incredible Hulk on the third base. I could catch anything he threw. I love playing baseball, but one of the lessons I learned in playing baseball, I had a coach that was absolutely terrific, an older gentleman who was a World War II veteran who only had one leg. He had an artificial leg where he lost his leg in Guadalcanal. But he told us, he said, I'm going to finish well in life. And he said, I'm rounding the third base, and I'm heading into home in life. And he said, I'm not slowing down, I'm speeding up. And he did. Mr. Miller was an amazing man. But he told us in life, don't ever slow down when you see the goal that's ahead. I never ran track. I loved to go to track meets. My high school was just uh, superior in that area. We sent many people on uh, in college scholarships to to sprint, 100-yard dash, long runs, everything. It was great. And one of the things I learned from the coach that we had there that was also one of our gym coaches was this. When you're running, whether you're running short or long, your goal is not the finish line. If your goal is the finish line, you're going to stop short or you're going to slow down. You don't ever want to do that. Your goal is beyond the finish line. So you will finish well and you'll finish fast. Many people forget about that in life. They begin to slow down ahead of time. They shouldn't do that. The reality is Satan's obstacles can interrupt us, and we can't let that happen. The story this morning is of a mother 
whose heart is broken because her daughter is struggling. We don't know all the details of what was going on with her. We just know that it was an unclean spirit she was possessed with. But this mother was determined to get her daughter help and hope, and she knew one person could do it, God himself through his son. She was frustrated with that because she was in a land where she was the stranger. She didn't have the authority and the ability to just walk in. And that day and time, a woman didn't have the authority to go and to be treated equally. Unfortunately, women were not treated well back then. But the persistence of this mother caused her to never give up. One of the greatest traits you'll ever have is persistence and determination that will not stop. This woman managed to look beyond the differences and the difficulties in her culture. In fact, Jesus told her in the Matthew account of this that her faith was great. He recognized that her faith and her desire to change her daughter was so powerful. We don't know the end of the story, but I'm sure one day in heaven you'll meet her. I'm sure her faith was not just for her daughter to be saved from this situation, but for her life to be changed by it. So I want to look at this story and think about how you see beyond the problems of life and what faith can really see in your life because you're either in a struggle, you've been through a struggle, or you've got one facing you. And that's the reality of life. We have to deal with that. The first thing I want you to notice is this. Faith sees beyond what the world calls proper. This situation is very, very politically incorrect. If I were going to use a sermon to speak to a group of people that were not believers, that were, 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 were very woke, if you know what I mean, I would not use this passage. It would offend them beyond sensibilities. But the reality is, this woman understood that it was not proper for her to be there. She was a Gentile in a, in a Jew world. She was a woman in a world dominated by men. She walked into an environment where she really wasn't welcome. But that didn't stop her. All she could think about was her daughter and the love that she had for her. She couldn't just give up and walk away. What's your determination about your faith? What will make you walk away from what God's called you to do? If somebody hurts your feelings, are you going to give up on church? We've all had our feelings hurt in church. We've all been slighted or overlooked. We've all lost an opportunity that we probably would have been best in, in service, and it just didn't happen. Satan knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're all human, and he knows we're frail. He knows that, that we all struggle with pride at different times and different levels. And Satan has a way of presenting us with a doubt that can trip us up. Don't ever look at a person and blame them for what happens. Satan is in the back of it. Remember, all of us are in the same ship. We're all sinners saved by grace. We gather together in the church, and the church, remember, a church doesn't function like a building where everybody is equal in here because we're not. Some of us need more grace than others. Some of us can give more than others. Some people are just beginning the process of growth, and it has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with, with our trust in Christ. Churches are more like a hospital than anything else because many of us are at different 
places of growth. I can tell you this, this Syrophoenician woman, this woman who was not a follower of Yahweh by birth, she was not Jewish, she was a Gentile, no doubt grew up among many pagan influences. The Phoenician people followed many horrible pagan gods. She fixed her sight and her hope on the true and the living God. And she did not look back. She understood what she was doing was not proper. Now you do know what I mean when I say proper. I, I grew up in a household. My, my mom and dad were both adults in the Great Depression. And as my mother always said, she said, you may not have two dimes to rub together. You may not have the best clothes in the world to wear. But you will have manners. You will be polite. You will open the door for a lady. You will be kind to them, whether they recognize it or not. You will wait and you will sit last and you'll stand when a woman comes in the room. She said, you will take your napkin from beside your plate and you will put it on your lap. And you will never put your elbows on the table, she said, or I will kindly slap you away from the table. You know what? I believe that. My mother said you would always ask, please, to be served, and you would always say thank you. My mother went on to tell me, I never entertained friends in my bedroom. She said, when you get out of bed, you make your bed, and it's to look like it did when you came in that evening to sleep before. Hang things up, pick things up, straighten things up. She said, when you're going from point A to point B, she said, is there a door you need to shut that you've opened? Is there a drawer that you've opened that you need to close? Is there something you need to pick up or put up or place there? And you know what? At 63, I still hear my mother, and she's been deceased and in heaven since 1993. I still hear reminding me of that. We did things that were proper. And no doubt you were taught many of the same things and more. But the reality is this woman stepped outside of everything that was proper and she became very improper because her faith said that this was the only individual that could change her situation. There are times that you need to be improper. John the Baptist was very improper. He didn't follow any standards. He didn't look like, smell like, or behave like anyone else. But Jesus said there was no greater alive than John the Baptist. Sometimes we have to step outside of the ordinary to be extraordinary. Sometimes we have to reach out to people that we wouldn't want to spend time with, but we ought to help them move up the level of life as much as we can. If they're hurting, let's help them. If they're hungry, let's feed them. If they're lost, let's help them find their way. If they need Jesus, let's share him. But let's not just go and share. Let us take them with us. Because sometimes bundled up in the problems of life is somebody that not only we can help serve, but they'll turn around and bless us and they'll serve us. Draw your circle very wide. Don't limit your scope of friends. Many people say when you get toward the end of life, if you have two or three very close friends, you're blessed. But that doesn't mean you should limit yourself to two or three friends. Reach out to people who are hurting, that need hope, and that need help.
Secondly, realize this. Faith overcomes the obstacles in life. They always do. This woman was able to defeat this cultural and ethnic obstacle. This patriarchal wall that she was trying to get over. Had a man or men in that room picked her up and thrown her out, no one would have spoken against them. But Jesus looked at her and he said something that, that, that truly was an insult at first glance, but it was a test of her faith. He said it was. He said, it is not good to give food for the children to the dogs. And that's the way the Jews looked at the Gentiles, especially the Phoenician people in Syria. They were, they were very different. They were pagan people. They were, they were filthy people. They didn't follow the dietary laws. They were not sanitary people. They were drifters, most of them. But the reality is, a good Jew would avoid them at all costs. Jesus broke a couple of rules here. Number one, he spoke to her. He should have never done that. But you see, she was speaking to God and God was speaking to her. And I think they understood what was going on when everyone else in the room and in the vicinity did not. He gave to her a reality that had probably been said many times before. This is a quote that was probably spoken by many people. Yes, they'd do charity. They'd help somebody that was poor and outside of their circle. But that came last. And this woman put aside anything of pride in her life. And she moved beyond that with a word of wisdom and a word of faith. She said, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall on the floor. I look at that and, and I struggle with how she said that. Only a mother's love could do that, could put aside her pride and, and all of her dignity and reach out in that way. Matthew records that as she was crying out, the disciples said, leave her alone, leave him alone, go away, we don't need you here. Jesus didn't even answer at first. But because she was persistent and she would not give up, he turned and, and all of his power was focused on her. Imagine the beauty of one of his creations there because as I told you before, it was not that he hated the Gentiles, not at all. God's plan was for the Jews to take on the truth of the gospel through the Messiah that they had found and then carry that as a kingdom of priests to the known world, to the Gentile world. And we know they didn't do that. They rejected him. They crucified him. And when he came into his own, his own received him not. But then he turned to the Gentile world. And he had a compassion for her. An amazing compassion. His compassion was so great. The moment she said that, he was already healing her daughter. She was healed. Jesus only looked upon her with pride and thankfulness. And here's the story that you need to get that sometimes you don't understand. Every Jew in that room learned something that day. Number one, that God loves everyone. But number two, a mighty faith moves the hand of God. Where's your faith today?
What do you believe in? How long do you pray when, when you're burdened with something? Is it something that you, you pray about occasionally and you, you sweat and cry over and then you walk away from? Or are you persistent? Do you believe that, that God truly loves you enough to answer your prayers? He tells us to pray Abba, which means in, in our vernacular, Daddy. He tells us that those who delight themselves in Him, He'll give them the desires of their heart. Are you willing to be persistent about what's burdening you? Or do you learn to live with the problems of life? But lastly, I want you to realize this. Faith always sees beyond the insults and the persecution. The disciples weren't as impressed with this woman's faith as Jesus was. In fact, they probably weren't very nice to her. They probably said, get away, you're embarrassing us. We don't need you here. You don't belong in here. Would you call a person a dog? I hope not. But that did not stop her. When you're praying and you struggle, and your prayers aren't answered right away, and, and you keep reaching out and you're wondering, is God hearing me? Does He know? Does He really, does it, do I matter to Him? What do you do in your heart with that? Do the eyes of faith look beyond the time, that vacancy of time that you're waiting for God to work? Do, do your eyes of faith look beyond that and say, yes, God hears me and I trust in Him? Let me tell you something. This woman did not slowly walk back home. She didn't stop by the market on the way there. She rushed home and she knew the moment she walked through that door. That her daughter was well. Do your eyes of faith do that? Do you pray and believe and know and trust God? Where, where are you there? Because we all struggle. I've always said that you really don't know how to pray for someone who's hurting until you're hurting. You don't really understand what the frustration of, of not getting a prayer answered right away is like until you've had to wait. A length of time to hear from Him. But are you humbly determined to wait for whatever He would say? Do you trust Him and know that He will do what is right? From this woman who was considered unclean, we've learned so much. Her humble determination healed her daughter, and it healed her. Do you need healing today? God is available, even in this moment, to heal you. Let us pray. Well, Father, I thank you so much that you're keenly aware of our every need. You know about our sadness, our brokenness, our frustrations. You know about our sin, and you forgive us, Lord. You hear our cries in the night. You hear our prayers that others don't even recognize, for you love us. And Father, I pray right now that in this room and those who are listening to us as we worship here, 
I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them and answer their cries and reach out to them in their struggles. For truly you love us all with a passion that is beyond understanding. Father, answer the cries of those who are here today and the struggles to have a faith that sees beyond the circumstances and a trust in you that will tolerate any sort of injustice knowing that our faith will capture the heart of God and change our situation. Lord, we trust you today. Now speak to someone that's looking for that kind of faith. Someone that's searching and seeking. Someone that's doubting and needs to believe. And we trust you for that answer even now. For it's in your holy name we do pray. Amen.